was 17 It was a very good year It was a very good year For small town girls And soft summer nights We'd hide from Good evening everyone And welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast It's us again, we're back again But tonight we're so excited. We've been invited to do a 90-minute special on Frank Sinatra. I always and, knew he was special. What was Excuse me? I always knew he was special. Oh, yeah, of course. And the interesting thing, it's being done by CBS, Viacom, and so we know we have an air date. We're going to keep you apprised of all that. It's going to be in the first quarter of next year. But uh, we're excited because they read our book and they realized how much I knew about Frank. And so we'll be filming and uh, you'll be seeing it and we'll give you some highlights. And uh, Megan's going to be a part of it. Pat is in the shadows, but he wrote all the scripts. And uh, Megan, tell us some of the uh, executives so people know that we're pretty heavy now on this. <laughs> yeah, so as Johnny said, it's Viacom CBS, which is obviously a pretty big deal. And we've been in touch with Emily Wallace, who is a producer there um, in the UK division. So she's going to be doing part part of the interviewing along with Russell Etow. I don't want to mispronounce his name. It's E-A-T-O-U-G-H. Um, he's going to be covering the second episode of the 90-minute series. Um, which is going to be the 50s and early 60s of Sinatra's life. He has a lot of accolades in various documentaries. Um, Mariah Carey, he's done a Van Halen documentary, um, others called Seconds from Disaster, Locked Up Abroad. So he has a whole list of shows and film documentaries that he's been a part of. And then who's going to be overseeing all three episodes is a man named Steve Webb. Um, he's going to be the producer and director of all of the episodes. And he has also had a whole list of successful documentaries, one about the Beatles, one called Bruce Lee, How Bruce Lee Changed the World, Ten Ways to Kill Bin Laden. Um, he's highly experienced and award-winning. So that's, that's all we have so far. But those are some pretty yeah, I mean, but that's, that's pretty. That's pretty heavy in credits, so. Yeah, hey, It's quite a project, seeing as how there's been documentaries on Sinatra. Uh, you've been involved in this. What's going to be different, you think? Well, what, what, what they're finding interesting with me and invited me, fortunately, was uh, what we know about Sinatra, and like you've read so many books, and fortunately we have to let our audience know, it just so happens that Pat and I are now writing another book, and it's called Sinatra, The Mob and Me. But what I think this is uh, interesting, the things, the few tidbits I let them have already, they found fascinating, because like you, they've done a great study, and they never heard a lot of these things. And th they just invited me about two weeks ago to actually be a big part of it on camera. And they're sending a camera crew here tomorrow, which is a big deal. And uh, for people who are not in our industry, Normally, they want you to go to the studio. They're coming here to be a part of my life. 
see my Sinatra memorabilia. And um, so I'm excited about it, actually. What do you think you will have to contribute about Sinatra that maybe others won't who are included in this? Well, you know, it, it's, it's some, a situation that we have, Pat and I know right now, is that what my, my intrigue with Sinatra started December 12, 1949, for my seventh birthday. Now, here we are 70 years later, and, uh, you know, and most people who have ever seen me live, I dedicate a lot of songs to Frank. He was my only voice teacher. So, I mean, there's a lot of things we'll be able to contribute, and, and we've been doing tremendous, tremendous research on our own book, so it's fresh in our minds, and it gives Pat and I a chance to do a couple of samples and, and get exploit the book before it comes out, which is amazing to have it on you know, a special. We, we, just, we just broke ground on this book. Uh, we're just starting the process. And it isn't like you sit down and say, well, let's write a book. Uh, as Johnny, uh, Johnny is very well aware, there's a lot of background research that's preparing a proposal. You know, before a, a book ever comes out, uh, we started this uh, recently. And if everything goes according to plan, uh, usually what the industry does is puts a, uh, a timeline on this uh, between 18 months and two years till it comes out. But I think with what we have to say will uh, move the, the pub date up soon. Yeah, we're, we're I mean, our, our wish list right now and uh, the amount of material we've accumulated and the way Pat writes, we, we are hoping that we'll be out for Christmas of 21. So, Very good. Yeah, which gives us about a year. But again, we, we I mean, he, him and I have this, well, him especially because Pat's been, you know, a professor of, a, of literature and writing. And so with him, it's just, once we get this, we we should have all the chapter outline done by this week, actually, and then we just start going. It's the first yeah. chapter that I think uh, is going to capture the world, as we did with our first book, which Pat wrote so brilliantly to just want you want to know more immediately, and this is a, an amazing hook, and it's not a secret that you know. Sinatra's mother died a tragic death. And I happened to be there that night. And he was on stage at Caesar's Palace. Some of us already knew that the plane went down, but all, all the powers that be, Billy Weinberg and all the heavy, heavyweights at Caesar's, the room was full. And why not let him go out and do a show? And then we'll tell him after the show. And I was part of that whole experience, being in the audience when he asked for the first time in his life, because I knew him that well that, you know, they used to tease me when I used to go to church. I don't want to say he was an atheist, but he really didn't believe in anything other than himself and his ego, which is great. But that night he actually asked the audience next to his last tune to give my mother a minute of silence, and he let the audience know that his plane is missing, 
We don't know whether she's going to survive or not at this moment. And it was like a, a very serious, tense, you know, 2,000 people listening to him. And then he sang My Way, which I've heard him sing it a thousand times, with such feeling. It was like insane. And the gentleman who was his handler at that time, which most people don't know, because Sinatra had a, a, a habit of getting in trouble with the mob. So they actually assigned a mobster to watch him. And his name was Louis Priscilla, Louis Dome. And uh, I was with Louis. And um, when we got backstage, the uh, officials from the, from the state of Nevada were there, some detectives or police officers, and uh, they got word from California Highway Patrol that there were no survivors. But that moment, to see that, and uh, that's how we're going to capture our, our, I mean, Pat's gotten very creative already, and we're going to take you chronologically in that first chapter to so many facets of the experiences I had with Sinatra. You know, we, we all have we all have an opinion or a picture, if you will, of the uh, celebrities that we like and admire. Uh, what you're going to see throughout this entire book is the side, the the side of a uh, celebrity, a worldwide celebrity, uh, who's going to be a, 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 a celebrity for who knows how many eons to come. You're going to be reading about a side of him which you couldn't imagine uh and that's how it's going that's that that's the theme of the book there have been so many sinatra books uh at least 10 that i know of uh and this one is going to be different than all of them well it has to be otherwise we're not going to get anywhere with it right so the amount of research that gianni has done thus far going back into his uh notes talking to people uh, and he and I have been talking about it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of a jaded guy. I mean, I, I, I was a cop for a long time and a PI for another 20 years. And usually uh, nothing shocks me. Some of this stuff that you're telling me, John, is shocking me. Yeah, and that's what we needed to do. Because as you and I discussed, yeah. you can't write another book about Sinatra. Everybody thinks they heard it all. And they've heard what they were allowed to hear from people who really didn't experience it. The difference of what we're telling the, the audience through the book is I was there through most of the things we're talking about. Other than the early part of, we're, we're really taking you chronologically from his birth with his mother Dolly and, and his father Marty and understanding the influence she had over him all her life and good or bad. And uh, it, she basically formed who he is until the day he died, because those like, like any mother nurturing a son or a daughter, and he was an only son. But I don't think she realized she introduced him to mob life early, early on, indirectly, which became a way of his life. But um, and there's so many like. Pat, you know, we're, we're trying to stay away from anything you've already heard, if that's possible. But it's, you know, it, it's, <laughs> but we, we've got it. It has to be probable, actually. Right. 
But uh, so, Jian, will there be any photos, whether it's in the documentary or in your book, that you have of Sinatra that people have never seen before? Oh yeah, we we came across so many, and uh, that, and that's what was good about our first book, because as you were reading it, and then you turn the page, and you see me with Sinatra. We turn the page and you see me with the Pope, and you see me with you know international mobsters from all over the world. But and they'll be definitely to answer your question, a very intriguing pictures too, and chronologically we're doing it chronologically. We're not going to be jumping back and forth. After we're out of the first chapter, we're dedicating it to his mother, the upbringing, and him going through his Hoboken Five and winning major bows, which a lot of people knew he was part of a group, but then what went on behind the scenes even before that, and his, and his, his lifelong fetish for electric trains and stuff that most people don't know, how sensitive and shy he was. And he was like most performers, that once the, the lights went on, you couldn't stop this guy. He was bigger than life on stage. I've seen him thousands and thousands of times in every arena around the world. So there's going to be. What some... I'm finding so far is uh, the extent of his involvement, and I wasn't aware of, and I'm pretty much of a, of a student of the mafia. I, I wasn't aware of the intricacies of his involvement till you enlightened me through your sources. Uh, that that's that's going to be enlightening to his fans. Uh, it's actually quite shocking. Well, yeah, I mean because you know there was uh, not one but two major contracts on his life, and um, he survived them. But basically, uh, not to give it all away, I mean, it's almost a a slavery part of it came came from it, but. Um, it's, it's, I like again, you know, it's it's nice to know how human he was and how vulnerable he was, and uh, thank God for his celebrity. I think that saved him. Wouldn't you say, Pat? I would think. Uh, in fact, it's obvious after what uh, what you've been telling me. Uh, let's go back to the documentary for a while. How do you think it's going to be any different than the other documentaries? I mean. You know, well, how many parts is it? It's you know? 90 minutes. It's three, I think it's three 30 yeah. minute segments. Right. Three different episodes. I'd be just, you know, curious because the, the last documentary wasn't that long ago. I believe it was an HBO documentary. We went over, uh, I think it was uh, uh, two nights of an hour each, or a one. the first one was two hours and the last one was an hour. Did you see it, by the way, Johnny? No, you know, I. I I, I I watch those things in waterism because you know I I, was, I know what really went on and they're this they're sugarcoating yeah, yeah. it and but uh, the interesting thing I'm I'm hoping to see out of this and we'll know more tomorrow he had a tremendous following in London and I've been blessed because I took that following over I've actually done four concerts in Liverpool for the Sinatra fan club UK. And there's still thousands of them, which is a great way to go over. And I've been there, like I said, four times now. And I, I, the whole show is a tribute to him and his music. And um, 
But like you pointed out, this man is such an icon or a legend that his following is still there. And he's I don't think his celebrity is ever going to fade. No. No, I think he'll be one of those he'll be one of those icons for forever. I mean, you know why? Again, I think because of not just the singer, his lifestyle, the interest in the mob, and people always have a fascination with that. We all knew he was involved with the Kennedy election, which didn't go well because uh, the mob was never paid back. So it's it's all those inside things that people don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there was a, a hit list for 73 people, and 72 of them were killed. 73rd one was yours truly, and I escaped it because of my friendships and and let the time go by, you know, it's that kind of thing. But um, it's, a, it's really a heavy life when you start to think of a guy who was all of maybe 140 pounds. And I don't know. What's well, that? And he got, got, got kind of chunky. His, uh, oh, how how tall was he? Oh, I, think, I think he was only like five six. You know, he was a slight man. I mean, when he was at the Paramount, I think he weighed one hundred twenty three pounds. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, and that's why he got the nickname the Skinny Guinea, <laughs> which he didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> that's another whole story. But you know, yeah, to, right. to me, when you there's so many people out there that knew him. I think it's a privilege, number one, that they were attracted by our book, and they did a tremendous amount of research. You know, and, and CBS and, uh, and Viacom is a, a worldwide company. It's a $66 billion company. And uh, I think even you, Megan, having a, a part in this and being exposed to that world it's only going to help you further your career in this business. And from Pat and I, we couldn't ask for a better preempting of a piece of work that we're doing on right now. Absolutely, yeah. I have a feeling, Johnny, that you and I are going to be working for Megan in the next couple of years. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the tables will turn. We're going to have to stay on her good side, without a doubt. <laughs> Stick with me, all right? We um, Johnny. Did you get to see any of the topics or questions that they'll be focusing on with you tomorrow? You know, I didn't want to. I mean, I've done maybe 10 hours already of, with, with Emily. She's very thorough. She knew a lot. I corrected her in a lot of it. And then she came back and thanked me. Because, you know, a person doing that research, you want to bring up a topic that people are going to shoot holes in right away. So we, and I, I think her knowledge and how she's getting it is like Pat said. There's been so much stuff done on them, and that's one thing Pat and I don't want to do with what we're doing is be one of many pieces that people already know with a different look at it. We're we're gonna you're, with what we're doing is uh, ironic and so creative because. I, I was most of the things we're talking about is my point of view and what I experienced by being there, which no one can write that. You know, there's newspaper stories, but to go back to Pat's question, I, I really don't know what I'm going to find out new tomorrow. 
and I really don't know what how much new stuff they have. Well, it's not that it's going to be new. I mean, they got to have something new, perhaps, but it's the way it's going to be presented. I mean, it's uh, the only way that it's going to be different. Right. And, and you know, and with the amount of the population of the world, certain people are going to find it very entertainment, entertaining and informative. And then there's going to be the people like me who are too close to the guy and we'll turn it off. <laughs> well, you know, he could have a whole, what, what, what year did Sinatra die? Like 93, 94, something like that? Yeah. Well, he could have a, a, a whole new world of, uh, of fans that never even heard of the guy. And perhaps that's what they're looking for. I mean, there were people that weren't even born when he died that aren't familiar with his music and with the with the juice of Viacom and CBS. This is going to be a big deal. Well, I mean, with the, with the, and they've asked me also if I'd come over and promote in different parts of the world. And I said, why wouldn't I? I mean, first of all, I became friends with the guy. It was like a love-hate relationship because our friendship so many times even when he told me not to do, asked me not to do The Godfather, but basically was telling me not to do it. And I said, uh, okay. And then I realized, why would I give that up? And, but you know, it's, uh, and he didn't talk to me for two years after that. And then one night he said to me, you know, because I, I, the question I asked him right after he asked me, and you know what it is, what if I asked you not to do Here to Eternity? Would you have done it? And he hung up on me. But <laughs> it's that kind of a. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious and I'm very flattered that I'm a part of it. I don't know who else is, but. Yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, at least that I know of, you're one of the few left from this era and probably of a lot of Frank's friends. So do you have any inclination of who else will be included? No, they haven't shared that. So I mean, I, I don't okay. you know. I don't know if there is anybody else. I, I don't know. Yeah, who else of his friends are still? Well, there's a, around. There's, anybody? There's some people still around, but I don't know. He's got all for him. Uh, Tom Dreesen. Yeah, reach out remember to him. we had him on the show. He was his. Yeah, yeah. They'll probably reach out to him. He opened for him for 17 years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Tom Dreesen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that one slipped my mind. Obviously. Yeah, and he yeah. and he was with them for 17 years, and there's True. some and there's some other kid writing a book that. I don't want to mention him. He's, to me, I can't believe they, they they gave him a go at on a book about Sinatra. He was his valet for the last ten years. So I mean, it's um, again we don't know. I mean, uh, did they get to his daughters? Because I know his daughters right now are producing, and they gave the go ahead for a full length movie that Universal's doing, and they've had that on hold for years. So maybe it's all of that. It'll be, hey, you know what it is? If they give me five or 10 minutes, I'll utilize it well. I'll capitalize on it more than most people in so many different areas. And I just think it's a, a great tribute to Pat's writing that we even got the attention from them. Absolutely. And then they heard of you, I'm sure. They did, they, Megan's all over the place here. They had to dig for that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, you know, again, it's uh, moving on in my life 
And as I mentioned earlier, this guy's been in my life since I'm seven years old. When you start to reflect on that, and the good news, like Pat brought out, I, I'm starting to read my diaries, and I, I found something that happened in 67, which was amazing. And nobody knew about it, and you had to be there, and that's going to be in our book, not on their documentary. But, you know, there's certain plums we're not sharing. But uh, I helped them out with a couple of things that could be enlightening to people. And uh, nobody realized how sensitive he was. I mean, I, was, I spent hours with him just alone and him crying. It just breaks down. I mean, what Ava Gardner did to him. And then, and then even when he lived on my block for two years, the confusion of that. And I mean, I used to see this guy dressing in tie-dye with a scarf around his neck like he was Gene Autry. <laughs> and I'm saying, what's going on? Well, that, well, that was Mia Farrow's influence. Oh, I know. But that, you know, they, they lived right here on my block for those two years. I was shocked. I was happy, but you know, you know not that he was, he was home every night, but uh, <laughs> just to share the real estate. But, um, I don't know. It's it's, it's I interesting. You, I, I saw that picture of him in that that scarf. Oh my and god! The, and jeans. I, I I actually cringed when I saw that. You can I, imagine. I it, I'm sorry, guys. No, no, I'm, no, go ahead. No, I mean that's the kind of influence she had on him. She wanted him to change yeah. his image. The first night, well, we were at the Fountain Blue, and he walked on stage dressed like that. We thought it was a joke. <laughs> Because, you know, the guy's wearing side de handmade tuxedos, and, and, and my, I, I, a very good friend of mine started dressing him also, and, uh, and uh, Serto. This guy, his tuxedo is three or $4,000. He dressed extremely well. Uh, oh, my God, yeah. Classic suits. I mean, the, the, the guy was class from end to end. I mean, uh, and for him to walk out there looking like he did, I, th I thought I thought it was some kind of a joke or a movie role or something. I mean, I yeah, we all did, but then it lasted as as long as their marriage did, fortunately, and it was over. And you know, everybody in the clique and, and uh, used to say that you know he married a three-year-old, and then we all knew who he <laughs> meant. <laughs> but he was trying to control her, and she was trying to control him. It was a power <laughs> thing, you know. She she was a big star after the TV series Rosemary's Baby. I mean, that thing was insane. That, that was the hottest thing she did. And uh, one of the things he asked her to do is stop acting. He wanted a wife, not an actress, which I found interesting. Well, I he went through that with Ava Gardner. I guess that's why he didn't want an actress. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, and, you know, he did spend a lot of time in London. I went, I was there a couple of times with him myself. And so, I, you know, they may have a whole different thing. His friendship with George Raft when he was hosting Annabelle's and uh, Bianco Elefante in different casinos. He was in London a while. And then when Ava moved over there, after she left, uh, I think, Bar Barcelona, she was living, she had this fetish for... Um, Bullfighters, <laughs> which uh, we'll get into in our book, and not too much in the, 
a, a public television show. <laughs> What do you think? Anything else, or should we leave the rest to be seen in the future? I don't know what Pat is thinking about. What do you when you're pondering like that? You you have something a, a, a gem is going to come out of your mouth. And, and he's I tell you, when I start to do any type of a, a writing project, it actually keeps me awake, and I, I have to sleep with a uh, with a pad and a pen by the bed because I do wake up. Uh, I, I dream this stuff and I just write something down. I didn't always used to do that because I say to myself, I'll remember it in the morning. Who the hell remembers my dreams? You know, <laughs> I, would, I would kick myself in the ass. I mean, why didn't I write it down? So that's what, that, right. that's what I do. And I, I've been coming up. I mean, you have the facts and we, we have to turn those facts into the written page. Right. You know, so that's I'm always thinking of scenes, camera angles, so to speak. Right. You know, that's the way I think when I'm when I'm writing a book. Uh, from what you were telling me, I can envision what he was going through and where you were, and uh, so uh, I I don't stop. The, you know, the wheels are always turning. For me, this is fun. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a uh, part of the creative process. I just like doing it. You know, so I'm I'm looking very much forward to actually starting to put pen to paper to start to write. Right. You know, now what we're doing is just compiling. Right. But I, I think like you now, I, I actually put a desk in my room because I find myself doing that now. I, I, I'm, the, the next statement I'm going to make most people will not believe, I don't dream. I don't know why. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, never, I never have a dream. Well, you probably dream, but you just don't remember. Well, I maybe I sh shut it out, I, my, my memory from the hospital or whatever. I've had m numerous conversations about this with professional people. But yeah. my subconscious mind is so strong and a lot of things I don't want to remember. But what I find myself, like I'll read a diary or something and the world opens up to me. So like you, I got to write down, because I, 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 wrote, I wrote diaries since I'm 56 years old, but I did one-liners just in case anybody read it, they couldn't understand what it was about. But those one-liners, like all of us, once you read one line, it's a spark. That's it. So that's what I'm doing now, and that's like the thing we just talked about, uh, you and I the other day on the phone is uh, that thing in 1967. Now understand, I've been following this guy already. I was seven, and now it's my 24th birthday, and it's Frank's 52nd birthday, and someone arranged for me to spend a few hours with him on that day, which was insane when you hear about it and who was there and what he was doing. But uh, that's what I think is going to be exciting because like yeah. we're, we're taking him into his inner life that uh, he don't share that much with. Will be continued. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exciting stuff. Yes, and I'm, I'm so happy that you're a part of it directly. Megan's going to be doing interviews tomorrow. Behind the I'm scenes. I'm very excited. Behind very the scenes. Excited. She's making her acting debut. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in not in, I guess it is your acting debut professionally, though. I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. It's a reality. So she'll be doing on-camera on interviews tomorrow afternoon. She's going to be interviewing wait. the interviewers. <laughs> 
Yeah, before the uh, the evening ends, uh, uh, Megan, I want you to send me your autograph. It's going to be worth money someday. <laughs> I will. I will do that right away. Thank you Don't so worry. much. <laughs> My pleasure, truly. Right. Yeah, we we really want to do a big shout out to CBS and Viacom. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They have no idea what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> it's certainly going to keep our book alive. Oh yeah, definitely. It's gift that keeps on giving. This thing has been out for a year and a half, and the sales are still strong on this book. That's I, amazing. I, you know, and I, I know that. I, I see it every day. Now I even I shave and dress to go walking, because so many people have read this book, and at shout-outs and, and now that all these restaurants are open on the streets in Manhattan, people get up and you know can I take a picture with you and all that. Where before you know I'd walk the streets and nobody knew me, unless you knew me personally. But now it's uh, right. In all ages are very jaded, you know. They, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a tough profession. Let's put it that way. But uh, even Frank Wyman, our, our, our agent, is 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 amazed at the steady flow of sales in this book. You know, for the average book, uh, for the average hardcover, which is what we have, they very very rarely stay in print for more than a year, and that's out of print totally. They just stop printing them. I mean, we're still. I don't know what what. Uh, what number printing we're on, but uh, it's a, it's a year and a half, and it's just, the sales have not let up. And just in case anybody listened to the show doesn't, yeah, doesn't realize what we're talking about, you must be living in a tunnel. Our book, Hollywood Godfather, My no, Life in the Movie and the Mob, is what we're talking about. Not to confuse you with the book that we're writing, and uh, the accolades from that book has got the attention from all over the world, and major, major publishers now, fortunately. Maybe we'll even make a few dollars. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco extra virgin olive oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneBuyingItalian.com that's CorleoneBuyingItalian.com. Hi, I'm Patrick Picciarelli, co-host of the Hollywood Godfather podcast, private investigator, and co-author of Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob. How much do you think you know about the infamous Son of Sam serial killings? My new crime novel, Blood Shot Eyes, is a fictionalized version of my real-life private investigation of the Son of Sam case. In this gripping account, Based on fact, private investigator Ray Yale finds himself immersed in this infamous case years after it was supposedly solved by the NYPD and the killer sent to prison for life. Yale uncovers facts which involve a celebrity's involvement and unleash a killer hell-bent on remaining a free man. A psychopathic policewoman, a small-time thief, and a police department cover-up add up to a page-turner of unrelenting suspense. Bloodshot eyes, is available exclusively on Amazon.com.
Well, I think it's time for the mailbag. All right. Let's get to it. All right. Jumping right in. First question is from John. John says, Gianni, did you know any of the Mascias from the Bronx? M-A-S-C-I-A? No. You know, to answer that question more more defiantly, most people don't realize once I hit 21, even before that, 19, I went underground. And I wasn't hanging in the Bronx. I wasn't hanging in uh, Bed-Stuy or all these neighborhoods. I was taken out of it and had a better position in life than hanging in neighborhoods or even, you know, I, I was a rarity down on Mulberry Street for years and years and years until we finished doing my my, my last um, messenger service for the mob in the Vatican. <laughs> well, I, I recall you once telling me that uh, the first 10 years you were in Vegas, nobody knew you were there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's- that's keeping a low profile. Yeah. Well, you know, sure I, is. well, first of all, it wasn't like it is today with cameras. It was before The Godfather. After The Godfather, there was no hiding. And I didn't want to hide at that time. But like you pointed out, I went to Vegas in 1968. You know, I was like a teenager. And nobody knew I was there. And nobody wanted to know. They just knew my father must be a big player because this guy's got comps in every hotel. <laughs> and then it was just kept going, fortunately. But so to answer your question, uh, I don't know those people and probably would never know them, even if they're my age. All right, moving on. Next is from Vinny. Vinny says, hi, Gianni. Years back, we had the pleasure of meeting you outside La Bella Ferrara on Mulberry. I remember you telling us you grew up right above the place. If true, what age were you at the time? And a couple of other things. How well did you know Johnny Cha-Cha across the street? And how about Tony Danza? No, he eventually bought into the Oliva's Italian Deli down at the corner. I mean, I mean that's, uh, well, let's go chronologically. I was, <laughs> I was born on top of Bella Ferrara. That's 121 Mulberry Street. And anybody that knows me, I left that place when I was six to go to Bellevue for five years. And then I never went back to that apartment and I never went home. I lived on the streets and I was, I'm down there like they saw me hanging there. I loved hanging there. It's the back of Precious Blood Church and, and Cha-Cha they're talking about who supposedly was the mayor of Mulberry Street, his mayorship was on his own mind. This kid was a yeah. nut. <laughs> yeah, he just passed away about two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he never, I, I took, never took care of himself. But I mean, he, he was a, a character, but the inside people that really knew him, they didn't trust him, number one. And uh, he was no mayor on Mulberry Street. <laughs> And Tony Danza, I mean, he such a gentleman, and he he got hurt in buying that that uh, into that uh, cheese store on the corner, and he actually worked it. I don't know what that was about and what what he wanted to do this for, but he did it. He was friends with Cha Cha, and Cha Cha had ownership in that because his wife and him had that, but then they had a falling out, and Tony was asked to leave, which I can't believe. His wife should have kept him there and got rid of everybody else. But uh, Tony's been a friend for many, many years. 
a nice man and a gentleman. All right. Next is from Andrea. Andrea says, it's 3 a.m. here and I'm sipping some Don Corleone vodka while painting and listening to you. First of all, I want to say hello and thank you to Megan. We are both women almost the same age and blondes, if I might add. So it's beautiful to feel represented in this outstanding project. I've been absolutely obsessed with the book and podcast since July when I discovered them. Thank you, Gianni, for sharing your exciting live story. And thank you, Pat, for the way you were able to put it into words. I am Romanian, so I was wondering if you, Gianni, have ever visited Romania. From the 60s to late 80s, we've been under the communist regime, but I've heard that our president back then had connections with the Sicilian mob. Much love and even more respect, Andrea. P.S. English isn't my first language, so please excuse any mistakes. But you know, you know what's so funny? I, I have a son in Romania. My son, Diamizia, who's now 28, I had with Princess Poniatowska who was Princess Anna, your princess. This, this was her granddaughter. Now, I love yeah. Romania. I've been there a hundred times. My son's living in Paris right now. But, uh, no, but Romania, I have so many R Romanian friends. When they found out, about it, they saw me walking down the street one day, and they, they, they said, you're Johnny Russo, right? I said, yeah. This, what are you doing in Romania? I said, I'm visiting my son. <laughs> They're telling you in the witness protection program. Yeah, hello. All right. <laughs> no, that's, that's funny. So I want to know if this girl is your age and she's drinking on vodka, where'd you get it? Not in Romania. She's living somewhere else now, right? Yeah, Paris. I don't know. Oh, she, she didn't decided, say. She, okay. She just said she's Romanian. Okay, perfect. All right. Next is from Intan. Intan says, Hi, I really enjoyed your podcast. It's so interesting to listen to stories from you and Pat. Can you give an opinion on The Godfather Part 3? I really love all Godfather movies, but the Part 3 just made me sad, happy, and confused at the end of the movie. Anyways, greetings from Malaysia. Oh, wow. Well, the interesting We're thing... We're all over the place. Yeah, and that's what a compliment that is. But the interesting thing about... I think your confusion with Godfather 3 is going to be cleared up. I don't know if you heard this yet, but Francis Ford Coppola right now is recutting three with a new ending, a lot of new scenes, and, a, and a, actually, I think a new opening. So uh, hopefully uh, he realized number three didn't really make it, and by that time, I don't know what Francis was thinking. He was so successful. But uh, and that's supposed to come out this Christmas. And uh, well, you're going to be. Does, there has to be an improvement. What do you think? What's that? Anything that he does with the with the film has to be an improvement. Oh my God! Yeah. So I think uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised, as we all will, because it's not on my big playlist either. Godfather Three. <laughs> all right. Next is from Nick. Nick says, "Mr. Russo, just wanted to let you know that your stories are amazing and top notch." My question is, since you and Sinatra were friends, I have to ask, did you and Ava Gardner ever interact with each other? And if so, what was she like? Well, now that he's dead, yes, we definitely interacted. <laughs> oh, no, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I, you, use your own imagination. Figure it out. But, no, I oh, was in man. her company numerous times. And uh, I, I saw as a kid in my early teens, when I first went out to the West Coast, 
She used to hang out in Macombo, which was a great nightclub, and uh, we'll be talking about that in our new book. No, but who wouldn't want to talk to her? I mean, I, I was a kid having dinner with Sophia Loren and Carlo Ponte and, and Pacetto's in Rome once a month. So, I mean, those kind of women I was attracted to, and even just being at Jack and Trotter's pool, which she frequent numerous times when Frank and her were hot and heavy, literally, and they were in Vegas almost every weekend at, at the Sands Hotel, like so many other big stars. I mean, it's a, it was an amazing experience. I, I took a lot away from her that, you know, why she was the way she was, but she controlled Frank, though, I'll tell you that. Mm. All right, next is from Kelly. Kelly says, hello to you all. I was recently turned on to you from a friend who shared Mr. Russo's interview with Vlad TV with me, and I was hooked ever since. I'm currently listening to the podcast and playing catch up, being that I'm on season two, episode 34. I love purchasing books for my friend, the one who turned me on to you guys, each year at Christmas. With that being said, I would like to see how I can purchase a signed copy for my friend as his present this year. I'm sure that you all won't be anywhere near my area for a book signing and wanted to see if there's a website I can do this through. Thank you in advance and keep up the great work. I enjoy listening each and every day. Well, if you're listening, just get in touch with Megan. And uh, we have websites and all that published. So just go to them and tell us you want a book. I'll show you how to get it. Just, <laughs> There's always a way. No, yeah, and what we've done in the past, numerous, numerous fans, fortunately, again, for anybody out there who has a book, and uh, just send us the book with a return envelope with the postage on it, because we'd be going broke sending books out. Yeah, in fact, you know, funny you should bring that up. I, I just got one today to be signed in the mail. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know how they found my address. I'm, 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 I'm like a fugitive. I'm not looking anywhere. But I guess I am somewhere. So, anyway, I'll be forwarding that book to you, Johnny. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we've, we've done a lot. In fact, there was a, 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 I don't want to give the guy's last name, a professor of a school upstate, Phil, who just sent me a whole thing for their library. They're including our book in the university's library, Pat. As, well, I'm going to teach those students things that you don't learn in school. Yeah. No, and they also, and he, and he sent along a, uh, a poster that they made up, and I signed it with the cover of the book and all that. They're putting it on the wall. So it's, we'll get you, if you want it, just seek us out and get us the book. We'll sign it, Pat and I, and send it back to you. Perfect. All right, next one is, is fairly similar. This one's from Jamie. Jamie says, would the three of you ever do some sort of meet and greet in New York City, or even just those who are located in New York? I would pay big bucks for a photo and an autograph. Well, we'll be announcing that shortly. <laughs> because what we're doing, we have so many things going on. In fact, uh, uh, one of the things we're involved with very heavily, heavily is the Cordillon food products. That's going up, and they'll be up by the time you listen to the show. It's quarterly on fine foods. And the girl who's drinking the vodka somewhere in Romania, you could buy it now in 42 states. You just go online for that, Godfather Vodka. And then we have, I mean, a clothing line, our book preempt parties and signing 
is going to be a lot bigger than we did last year. But we did a lot of in-stores. I mean, I don't know how many Barnes and Nobles and everything I, I've done. So when you hear about it, come. I, but, you know, I guess the next time uh, the three of us will be seen together is probably at the next book launch. Right. You know, uh, yeah, probably. But then definitely. Yeah. That would be fun. I would like to do that. Yeah. Well, you had fun in the last one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you were just a newcomer on the way up. <laughs> mm-hmm. New on the scene. All right, moving on. Next one is from Brad. Brad says, love the show and just got the book. Isn't Tony Accardo's nickname Big Tuna? His yeah. brother lived on the corner of my block, had a beautiful daughter who was sweet to mine, but I was a playboy, so I kept my distance. Didn't want to break her heart because I'd get broke, ha. Huh? You uh, would have a big problem. You would be having a heart break your legs. Yeah, and he—that uh, was one of his, one of his big. It happened on a fishing trip, because he caught this big tuna, and that's how he got the name, you know. But uh, these guys are so creative, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but the name that stuck with him was with Capone. It was Tony Bats. So, hmm. but you can figure out why he got that name. It wasn't for striking out playing ball <laughs> but anyway yeah but I, yeah I mean the, the question what was the original question I, um, that was it was Tony Carter's nickname Big Tuna oh yeah that was it yeah that's it that's right. how we got it well that is all I have for tonight well great well our timing couldn't be better yes <laughs> well again to everyone out there as you can see we're getting fan mail from all over the world, and that's for all of you spreading the word and spreading what we're doing and building our fan base. We totally appreciate you all. We'll never stop appreciating you all, even when we get 10, 15 more million fans. God bless you all. Stay safe, and you'll be hearing us next week. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. One day we walked along the sand One day in early spring You held a piper in your hand To mend its broken wing Now I remember Oh, many a day And many a lonely night the echo of the piper's song The shadow of your smile Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.
teardrop kissed your lips And so did I Now when I remember spring All the joy your love would bring I will be remembered The shadow of your smile Kissed your lips And so Did I Now when I remember Spring All the joy Your love would bring I will be remembered The shadow of your smile Your pretty smile 